You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and the outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider of the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, One Step Off the Grid and the EV Focus the Driven. And joining me, as usual, is a very fired up Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, <laughs> what's got under your goat? <laughs> well... We'll come to that. We'll come to that. I think we should look. Well, let's start with the good news and the less frustrating news. Hey, yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. But are, are you well though? Are you well? I yes. am well. I just was looking at my calendar, going, "Oh my goodness, it's like six weeks till Christmas." Uh, oh God. Which uh, which is a little a little terrifying because uh, there's an awful lot to do before we close up for the year. And I know every installer out there is madly, madly running at uh, a million miles an hour to try and get all their installs done and catch up for lost time. So, um, you know, be safe. Absolutely, yeah. Six more weeks to Christmas. That's unbelievable. Or as the more common parlance goes, three more ep- episodes of um, Solar Insiders. So, oh, um, I mean, that's, that's how we measure time now. <laughs> is, I like that. <laughs> how many episodes of Solar Insiders? That's good. Yeah. Mate, um, three million. Three million rooftop solar systems under 100 kilowatts out there in the whole world. Well, no, in, in Australia. According to the latest data from Sunwiz, one of our sponsors, and the Clean Energy Council, so um, a massive landmark, and we probably should have came, we, we should have seen it coming, Nigel. We <laughs> look, it's uh, it's the solar snowball um, yes. that just won't stop. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, I was chatting with a couple of people the other day, actually, who who were kind of lamenting the fact that they don't know what was going on in the minds of consumers, but in the last week or two they've all rung up and gone right you remember you gave me that quote for solar six weeks eight weeks 12 weeks ago i I want it and i want it now i need it before christmas because you know i've been busy and stuff's been horrible so get my get my solar um and everyone's pipelines are just spilling over and the challenge of course now is uh, is all the issues around logistics and supply and uh, people and time and rain uh, the poor guys in Victoria have just written off a whole bunch of days due to due to storms and rain. So, uh, yep, uh, I think one story I read somewhere said uh, forty-one solar systems installed every hour, or for, or a solar panel every forty-four seconds. Is that right? That's as long as it takes you to find the mute button. In that time, a solar <laughs> panel's been installed. Let me try that again. <laughs> <laughs> there he's gone. There you go. Solar panel's been installed. That's brilliant. That's just that's just you know another death boat of the coal industry. It's fantastic. Yeah, just push the push. <laughs> there goes another one. <laughs> Liddell's been closed. Oh, look, I wouldn't if, be you, if we if we just keep muting you, maybe the install rate will go up. <laughs> Well, that's going to take us pretty close to what the one kilowatt hour, or no, one kilowatt installed capacity per person in Australia. We must, uh, yeah. we must be getting very close to that. That's um, yep. 
that's um that's pretty it's remarkable it's remarkable that's just it's a really interesting statistic that one because i remember looking at it decades ago going oh you know there was you know 100 watts or 50 watts or whatever it was per person and it's just crept up and crept up and crept up but here we are at almost a, a um a kilowatt per person now which it makes us the uh, the highest uptake per capita in the world now, which is a very deserving place for Australia to be, thanks to all the hard work of everybody. Well done, Australia. So, look, well I wonder done. what's um, um, Australia. Um, I wonder what's sort of driving this. Is this, um, this this sudden burst that you've just talked about? Is that because people haven't been able to spend their money because they haven't been able to go overseas and do other stuff, and they're now happy to have people around the house because most uh, most of everyone is vaccinated and we're opening up again? I wonder if that's got a bit to do with it, or is oh. it just because? Yeah, I think that's got a lot to do with it. I think that's got a lot to do with it. There was, I mean, there's always demand. Demand is, has been very steady outside, um, you know, these kinds of events. So, you know, it sort of slows demand and then the pent-up demand releases and off it goes again. And so, um, you know, and, and there have been a lot of people still working at home, of course, uh, up until this time. So people are more aware, they're more conscious of their bills, energy prices are going up, um, feed-in tariffs are going down. So, you know, the underlying proposition even though it changes from time to time it doesn't it doesn't you know solar remains a wonderful wonderful investment and of course you know as as someone at the bar said to me the other day because the bar's open uh thank goodness um so uh, i was down at my wife's bar on the weekend and um someone said to me yeah are people buying more solar because of glasgow because you know everyone's thinking about the environment, talking about the environment again. That's kind of been off the radar for a while. And I said, oh, well, yeah, maybe. Could be, could be. Or maybe everyone's thinking about an electric vehicle. I'm going to go electric. Better put some solar on the roof. Well, we know that is the case. We know that people, if they want to charge that, if they want to get the best value out of the electric vehicle, they're going to put solar on. It's the and cheapest way to get, get electricity. And then when they get the best value out of the solar, get an electric vehicle. It's a symbiotic relationship. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, What's your take on Glasgow? I'm going to take you back to Glasgow because that was the big story for me, you know, and, you know, you've written a lot about it, but, you know, if you could summarise it and we can get several panels installed in the time that you're going to talk about this, but what's your take on Glasgow? Well, I've been trying not to write very much about it. Actually, that's what got Michael to sort of stay up all night and listen to it all. Um, look, it's um, oh, look, it's, it's it's frustrating in many ways. But look, I, I used, I've been to about ten of these climate change conferences, and after Paris, I swore I'd never go to another one again because they're kind of very exciting, invigorating, fascinating. Um, tiring, exhausting, and ultimately frustrating because you never quite get to where you want to be. Mm. But look, despite all the frustrations, despite the fact that China and Russia didn't turn up, despite the fact that the Saudi Arabians, Saudi Arabia is trying to keep 1.5 degrees in the words human and rights out of the final um, um, the final communique, the, the fact that Australia just turned up and just waved a brochure around the place and had a stand sponsored by Santos and carbon capture and storage and refused to make a 2030 target and didn't do much, uh, didn't have much of a plan about 2050 and basically sort of really frustrated everyone. And then Angus Taylor sort of took off on a plane just as all the other ministers were flying into Glasgow um, to do the nitty gritty of the final week of the negotiations after all the grandstanding by the league, um, by the leaders. Um, then he he flies out as well. So he was just there, just basically as a stall pigeon for his leader and sort of promote fossil fuels, which he was very glad to do. And now he's gone. 
So Australia's not playing a very constructive role there at all. And that's frustrating because progress has been made. Now, there's been a couple of assessments saying that, um, like Paris was always about well below two degrees and possibly 1.5 if we can possibly do it. It now seems as though that the pledges that we have now from the global community are enough to get cap average global warming at two degrees on condition that the pledges that have been made are actually delivered, and that's not always the case. But, you know, it's not legally binding, but that's what they said they do, and if they do it, then that's going to be two degrees. But, of course, two degrees, you know, is pretty dicey because it's sort of, you know, that's another degree on top of what we've already experienced. All the scientists tell us it really needs to be kept at 1.5 degrees to avoid the worst of the runaway impacts that we won't be able to control, and that requires all the big effort in the next 10 years and of course we're not getting anywhere close to that because we need to be cutting emissions by 45 percent globally including and particularly australia um not um not increasing them which is kind of what we're doing at the moment so um you know um look some progress and that should be celebrated and it should be recognized that this is a difficult process because there are 197 countries and they've all got their own individual interests as well as a collective one. Um, But, you know, it was never going to be a magic wand and, oh, hey, presto, here we go. But I tell you what, it's getting closer to that now because everyone's kind of realising, ah, wind and solar and battery storage and electric vehicles, these are the technologies that we have at hand now. They are really, really useful. We can actually make this transition without costing too much money. But, of course, our stupid government is just constantly snubbing these technologies, making fun of them, don't understand how they work or that they work, and keep on talking about the next technologies, which will probably never appear, like carbon capture and storage, you know, hydrogen cars, and, you know, God save us, um, small modular reactors. Whew. So how many, three, how many, three how kilowatt many, system got three in kilowatt system in there. Oh, I reckon probably a five kilowatt system actually there. I'm looking at just, just looking at my thing. I mean, just as well didn't go on mute. <laughs> no, that's a good summary because you're you're right across so many different parts of this, and you know the whole thing got you know uh, overshadowed by you know um, Macron, the, the Macron, and the Prime Minister. Not lying to the US and French government about lying he to would them never and do about that. it. In, he in would never. Life. He would <laughs> never do that. He would never embarrass the Australian people and and, and lie about anything or reveal private text messages sent to him by other presidents. He just would not do that. Would not even enter his mind to do that, even no. to protect his um, reputation or you know no. defensive criticisms that he's just a lying little. Mm, anyway, um, <laughs> another panel. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I started yes. writing an article about this actually because uh, which I never finished because I just kind of threw my hands up in the air out of a little bit of frustration about how many when I see, when you start digging into about how much credit the government was taking and intends to take in their plan that isn't really a plan uh, which is essentially just relying on the mums and dads of Australia to continue to buy solar mm-hmm. uh, and 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 you know even to Matt Canavan's chagrin electric vehicles. Um, uh, you know, and they go, oh, well, I don't really like them. And, and, you know, we think coal's the go. Um, but, you know, we're going to get there with technological solutions and we'll let the market decide what's the way to go. Well, you know what that means? They're not putting their hand in their pocket for anything. They're not even going to make it easy. They're just going to rely on mums and dads to, to put more solar on the roof. Luckily, the mums and dads of Australia are doing it in, in, in droves. Well, that actually pissed me off, um, one of the things. I mean, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, actually, just now one more thing about Glasgow first. I just got really annoyed with a couple of the um, 
um, a couple of the bit, bit of commentary by people I thought would have known better um, talking about sort of Glasgow and, you know, the kind of fact that it looks like a circus and there's so many people there and they're all sort of dancing around and demonstrating and doing this, that and the other thing. Um, that's actually a really important part. I mean, as, as I mentioned before, I've been to about 10 of these things and the role of civil society in these negotiations is actually really important to hold them to account. And I've seen on many occasions when the negotiations, you know, in between Copenhagen and Paris were at a point of being blocked where civil society and the pressure that they brought basically got the whole thing over the line. And that was really, really important. And if we didn't have civil society there doing scrutiny and, so, you know, and, and look, you know, you know, creating drama and performances and things like that and um and and media shoots and opportunities and and stuff like that um it would just be to the politicians easy, the bureaucrats yeah. and and the incumbent industries who have control over these people so that's why civil society is actually really important um Getting back to EVs, yeah, the stupid comments by um, Morrison and Canavan, anybody else related to that government today, um, sort of saying, oh, well, EVs are just going to be like solar panels. We're not going to sort of subsidise them and the people will take up. And they, did, they seem to have forgotten that actually the solar industry has benefited from a quite a generous but well-intentioned and actually really effective um, rebate scheme, which we know now has sort of, you know, shoving coal-fired power stations out of the system, uh, you know, uh, reducing emissions, lowering costs, doing a lot of good for the grid and the economy and um, and the environment. But um, that's not going to happen nearly so quickly with electric cars, and we're just going to be finding ourselves trailing the world, still taking their, um, you know, Still a dumping ground for fossil fuel cars and dirty ones at that, um, you know, filling them up with really dirty petrol and diesel because there's no fuel standards in Australia to the point where we actually have to detune some cars um, before they get here. Um, I'm not too sure where I'm going with this, Nigel, but I'm, I'm, I'm very unhappy. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, if you're going to get me started, I mean, number point number one, I don't know if Scotty from marketing and um, – and Angus actually noticed, but in their in their convoys around Glasgow, uh, when they were getting escorted by the Scottish police, uh, the fine constabulary from Glasgow, you know what they were you know what they were riding? They were traditionally ride a, a, an internal combustion engine motorcycle to escort all the you know all the government uh, leaders mm-hmm. around. No, 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 no. Harley live wires, Harley Davidson live wires. That could have been. <laughs> don't think it could have been me. Uh, they would not have liked me there, probably. But, uh, you know, I think it's wonderful. There was a wonderful image of all these uh, Harley Livewires all decked out in, in police colours and, you know, they looked fantastic. And so, you know, hopefully they noticed that. Because Matt Canavan's got it all wrong. Are we going to go to Matt Canavan? And then, well, well, let's yes, – well, yes, Okay. <laughs> Because he was on, well, he, I mean, this is, it's relative to the whole thing, right? Because he's just like the whipping boy and they just kind of ring, Scotty rings him and goes, hey, Matt, look, you know, uh, you need to um, really reach out to um, the constituents who uh, really prefer coal and all that. Can you, can you say something provocative? So they flip him over to Fox and on Fox, he gets up to date. I don't want my taxes going to subsidize rich people's warm glow by buying an electric vehicle that's powered by coal fire. Mm. Well, you know, F you, 
Matt Canavan. I'm not rich, and my EV is not predominantly coal-powered, you ignorant dolt. Neither, in fact, are the majority of EV owners who all very quickly realise they need cheap solar power to um, get the economics right. And, and, and his whole subsidy debate is utterly tediously repetitive and ridiculous because, you know, fossil fuel subsidies last year in Australia in 2021 were $10.3 billion, $10.3 billion. That's very well detailed. You can see where all the subsidies went. It's actually $19,686 per minute of subsidy that the federal government is delivering to the fossil fuel industry already. And, you know, here's Matt jumping up and down about a couple of hundred million bucks to get some EV charges out there saying that, they, you know, they don't deserve subsidies. Well, guess what, buddy? You're already pumping out 10 billion bucks worth of subsidies to your mates up the road. So, you know, let's not bullshit about this. Well, there you go, Nigel. That was Nigel Morris, uh, <laughs> co-host of the Solar Insiders, telling Matt exactly what he's thinking about. Oh, for goodness sakes. For goodness sake. No, look, it's pretty frustrating. And um, those global subsidies, I think, is actually $11, $11 million a minute. And just while we just absorb that stunning piece of information, let's just take a message from one of our sponsors. Planergy is an Australian-founded enterprise providing innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Clenergy's innovative approach and engineering expertise gives them a unique edge to create the right base framework for all solar applications. Their range of high-quality products and services include PV mounting, ground mounting products and solutions for residential, commercial and utility-scale projects. Visit clenergy.com.au and find the right framework for your solar application. And we'd like to thank, of course, all our sponsors, Clenergy, Solar Analytics and SunWiz. And Nigel, we better get back on the solar coaster here or the solar subject. Um, fascinating story or report coming out from South Australia, which is leading the world, as we've sort of talked about many times, 62% over the last year. There's been another sort of assessment report that's come out from the Australian energy market operator. It comes to three main conclusions. One, the renewables is... Um, sending emissions to its lowest intensity ever, um, just over sort of um, 0.26 tonnes a megawatt hour, which is pretty good. Wow. Um, lowest prices on the mainland, wholesale prices on the mainland, um, and no reliability issues at all. And that's despite the challenges that they've had from rooftop solar. Last week, they had negative demand from – no, actually sort of sending – stuff out from the network normally the, the distrib distribution networks will sucks it all all the power in from all the this is, uh, centralized, um, this is a technical description you're giving right okay well there was more solar than they could use in the distribution network in the whole of south australia and it was negative demand for four oh, hours right. so it was the first time there was ever negative demand in late september it happened four more times in october four hours in a row in late october that's a major thing um it it's is. a major thing for a couple of reasons. One, there's that much solar and the grid didn't fall over. So all those things about, oh, we, is, there's too much solar. <laughs> we can't handle it. Well, yeah. guess what, guys? You just did. Yeah. Um, and look, sure, there's new protocols and new sort of mechanisms that we need to put in, particularly when South Australia is sort of isolated because it's the end of a skinny grid. So if they fear that that transmission line will go down, then they'll take preventative measures. And that's probably when they'll pull in that sort of solar shutdown thing. 
um, but they're thinking of smarter ways to do that. But, you know, they, this report talks about doubling the amount of rooftop solar over the next 10 years, doubling, you know, a big increase in battery storage, um, just a fascinating glimpse into the future, well, into the present and the future, and just basically sort of kiboshing all that nonsense about, oh, well, you can't have wind and solar at the grid, you can't have more than 5 or 10 or 15% or 50% or whatever. Well, you're getting every day in October, bar two, and every day so far in November, it's reached 100% renewables at some point in the day or night. And on, on a few occasions, it's done it by solar or by itself. So, you know, quite extraordinary, really. Sky hasn't fallen. Sky hasn't fallen, and we've just put another couple of panels on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, Nigel, what's on your side of the menu? Uh, on my side of the menu, um, a couple of interesting things, actually. Uh, so Great Solar Business, I interviewed Lindsay Hart on surviving the solar coaster, which is very salient because, you know, the industry is up and down. It's up at the moment. But, you know, uh, there are supply and demand challenges, as we talked about uh, uh, only in the last episode. And so great chat with Lindsay, uh, a pioneer in the industry, about the depth of relationships and how that can make a difference to help, you know, get through these ups and downs. Uh, that was on last week. And next week, uh, Warwick Johnston, uh, is going to join me. We have a chat lined up to talk about how to use data to streamline your business. And there's actually a couple of really interesting uh, examples that we're going to give from from recent stuff that I've been doing in 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 as part of my day job. Um, going, oh, I wonder, you know, where I could get the data to actually analyse what's going on here, and you know what the market's doing. And you know, um, Warwick helped us at Solar Analytics to supply some data that gave us some insight into that. So great stories about that um and then the other part of it uh which um you know it was just sort of revealing itself earlier this week actually to me was we've talked about the rooftop isolator issues and how there were a whole lot of rooftop isolators that were suddenly uh had their certificates of of, of approval removed and I, I posted something on Facebook, actually, because I got some inside news on, on what had actually happened. And then I had a call from someone else who went, oh, you haven't got the half of it. Uh, and it turns out it's like a, it's going to be a new Netflix series, I think, what's been going on with rooftop isolators. It includes allegations of fraud, nepotism, cronyism, manipulation, uh, there is a hornet's nest of issues surrounding the humble DC isolator, which just blew my mind when That's, I heard the story. That sounds like an awful lot to lay on a piece of equipment. What's happening? It's an awful lot to lay on a $25 circuit breaker, for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> for but goodness how sake. How does this happen? I mean, no names, Nigel, because we don't want to be sued on this program. No. What's, just give us a bit of a bit more of a taste, because this sounds fascinating. Well... How, how how it happens, I can't say. But the simple version is there are some individuals who have some access to grind and yeah, they could be actually quite well motivated. But what they have done is kind of stimulated all sorts of actions that have turned out to be unwarranted. Um, secondly, that kind of 
turned into some allegations about fraud and cronyism and nepotism and stuff and about people, you know, consultants getting certain jobs and making certain advice and allegations that were being taken up by other people. And then the testing labs, who are ultimately the people who've got to sign off on these devices and uh, uh, publish the standards and stuff, saying, well, we, we can see what's going on. This is a joke. We don't want to be involved in this. So we're walking away. So we're not going to we're not going to certify your devices. Go find someone else. So at the moment, one of the challenges that we have is a lot of the labs just won't do it because they know what's going on in the background. So there is more to come on this story. But the consequence of this, which I also was alerted to earlier this week, of course, there's the humble DC isolator that usually goes in enclosures uh, up on the roof and down by the inverter. That's a switch designed to protect the the system in case there's a fault in the wiring but of course a lot of solar inverters have built in isolators these days so guess what as four triple seven which all inverter manufacturers have to comply with includes a reference to the inverter uh, to the uh, dc isolator standard and because no one will test the dc isolators because there's this all this furor there now some inverters are being caught up in this and they can't get approved to AS4777 because the DC isolator internally hasn't been approved either. So there's a, 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 a cluster thing of gigantic proportions brewing here and, and, and actually talking to, because I sit on a number of product approval panels as an industry rep, and uh, what what the consequence, the simple real-world consequence of this ridiculous, ridiculous scenario is that a lot of the inverter manufacturers simply haven't submitted their inverters for reapproval. So, you know, there's a bunch of people sitting down there waiting to approve inverters and they don't have enough to to put through the system at the moment. And the standards are going to change very, very soon. I, I would listen to someone yesterday saying, ah, we've worked out how much stock we've got to write off because those inverters won't be usable. We can't use them. So we've already done that. So it, it's the most ridiculous mess at the moment all over a very simple, uh, humble DC isolator. As you so notably said, Nigel, that sounds like a cluster thing. Um, yep. The um, um, so what's what's I mean, who, whose interests are being served in this? Is this like this? Is there a ma- mafia of DC isolator people out there? I mean, I mean, geez, I mean, how do they describe themselves? Um, do they wear uniforms? Do the, they? Um, the, do they the meet motor- in the club? <laughs> The motivation. Do they meet in the corner of your wife's bar or something like that? I don't know. But... Uh, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to speculate on the motivations and everything else. I suspect at the heart of it is is well-meaning, well-motivated people who want to solve safety issues. And as the clean energy regulator brought up in in my discussion with them on Great Solar Business a couple of weeks ago, it's the number one issue with with reliability and safety in solar systems is these bloody DC isolators. But there is no viable alternative that is as cheap and simple right at this point in time. There are certainly alternatives. Um, um, But um, so I... Hmm. I suspect it's well-intentioned, but it has gone off the rails big time and it is causing needless, uh, needless pain. A $25, piece of, um, $25 piece of equipment certainly had a lot of controversy about it ever since they were first sort of, you know, um, mandated because a lot of people contested that they're of any use anyway. So, um, and probably being a cause for many problems and the fires that they were sort of supposedly designed to prevent. Indeed, the most. 
the most. The it's most. the most common cause of problems and certainly of fires. Um, uh, the, 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 the tricky part is, you know, what's the, what's a reasonable alternative, but anyway, um, I think the message out there for everyone listening is, you know, you really do need to stay across this issue. You need to dig into it. You need to talk to your suppliers. You need to make sure that your invert, not just your DC isolators are appropriately certified, but also the inverters that you've got, if they've got DC isolators internal, uh, don't get caught with stock uh, that you won't be able to install or is going to be defected. Interesting stuff. Um, Nigel, what else is happening out there? I've got a great big Audi e-tron sitting in my driveway. My son just drove it up from um, from Sydney. Stop uh, it. Um, yes. It's a truck, oh. mate. It's a bloody great big truck. Really? Um, yes. Yeah. Not too sure I'm going to buy one, but um, well, one they're very expensive. But it's um, it's sitting there looking very magenta or magenta or orange or something, burnt orange, I suppose it is. So it's um, oh. it's not very discreet. Oh, roof racks? No. No roof racks? No roof racks. Where are you going to put your board? Well, I'm not going to put anyone. I'm just going to drive my um, my little <laughs> Tesla down there. So, um, which basically means I've hardly had time to to drive it. But um, it does feel oh. like a truck. But um, anyway, oh, oh, but we're trying to we're trying the Polestar this week, and then we've got the Ionic Five. So it's all happening. It's all happening. All this opening up. We get to try different vehicles and things like that. So um, yes, yes. Although the yes. border stopped us from trying um, having a go at the Kia. Um, the Kia Nero, and um, so it was a bit frustrating. And the Mazda, mm. but the Mazda might not have actually made it down from Brisbane because it's got such short range. But apparently, it's a very nice car, but it doesn't go very far. So, mm. Mm. anyway, yeah, I was supposed to be out and about. Uh, I've been uh, pushing the limits a little bit, and I was supposed to be heading down the down to the Southern Highlands on Friday. The weather's affected a video shoot that we were going to do uh, with some good friends. So, unfortunately, that's been delayed again. But um, uh, luckily, a new charging station opened up uh, yesterday, uh, smack on halfway to my destination. Uh, just a very comfortable 100, 100K trips, 100K trip, uh, bang, uh, grab a burger, top up, get some DC fast charging, and then on to the next location, do a film shoot, turn around, come home. So, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to my trip as well. Um, uh, CER regulations, uh, the clean energy regulators um, impending entry into the regulatory space and, and a more active participation in this space is back on the agenda again. And just a reminder to everyone that uh, submissions are really valuable and needed. Uh, they're proposing reforms um, which will affect eligibility for small-scale technif- STCs, which is what the bread and butter of the solar industry I- relies on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, submissions close this Friday, the 12th of November. So, you know, if you have uh, any spare time at all, please do have a look through some of the great suggestions that have been made by our industry bodies. The Smart Energy Council put out a really nice little email the other day that summarised that nicely. Uh, there's some uh, information there that can uh, help you um, understand the implications. Um, uh, you know, the, I, I think, again, very, very well-intentioned down at the CER, really trying to clean up the industry, trying to make sure that consumers are safe, uh, that, um, you know, everything is done well. But, you know, uh, sometimes the, the, the best laid plans go so it is really important for industry people who have practical on the ground experience to have a say and make sure that the guidelines are um, are useful and practical. So get your submissions in before Friday. Good stuff. Excellent. 
Okay, well, no, that's pretty important. And it's um, it's just interesting that the clean energy regulator is just making, you know, quite a big noise of the things that it's doing. In um, So it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting. Um, probably be quite good. Mate, what else is happening? What's happening on the next episode of Great Solar Business? Uh, Warwick Johnston. Uh, of course, we, no, we, we discussed that. God, we like talked about that. Yeah. We talked about that. God. Yeah, we'll, we'll um, talk about how many uh, how many solar systems were installed during this episode. We'll we'll crunch the numbers. We'll crunch the numbers. We'll get back to you about that one. Um, also, check out the Driven podcast because I had an, in, uh, an interview with uh, Bill Shorten, um, which we're publishing just before this one, and um, that was fascinating. He turns out to be the first federal MP to get a uh, electric car under their sort of you know their parliamentary as part of their parliamentary package. They all get to sort of choose a car which they get under lease for about three years or whatever. And he was the first one to get an EV, which is interesting. And we know of at least, well, we now know that there are two federal parliamentarians out of, oh, how many? It must be um, oh, a couple of hundred, 150 off the top of my maths. I was pretty lousy. Um, I should know these things off the top of my head. But, um, yes, and that probably actually just reflects the um, EV penetration um, Australia-wide, actually. But uh, hopefully there'll be more. But, um probably not under the Morrison government's plans. But look, it's an interesting interview with Bill Shorten about why he got an EV, what he chose, and some of the issues that he had to go through to um, get the people in the finance department to accept that um, that should be done. I look forward to listening to that one. I listened to the one with Matt Keane the other week about his and <laughs> how they did the maths on it, and it turned out to just be a better proposition oh, for the government. Man. So, you know, um, yeah. you should get Matt... Ring uh, Matt Canavan. Is that a word to him? <laughs> uh, look, yeah, look, Matt, Matt Kenny is just terrific. Um, I don't know whether you saw him on Q&A um, last week, um, just sort of taking down Greg Sheridan. Uh, it was just hilarious. It was just fantastic. So, you know, Greg Sheridan's this sort of, you know, the ultra sort of conservative, sort of dismissive of new technologies and things like that. And Matt Kenny just sort of said, well, basically, you're an idiot, mate. Just get out of the way. Let other people just get on with it and, um, and, and move forward. Greg didn't like it. So, um, mm. yeah, sort of, you, um, you know, and he's been used to being shouted at by sort of left-wingers and Labour people and Greens people, but to be um, taken down by a, um, a Liberal state treasurer, not used to that. <laughs> Funny old world we live in. Oh, look, it's evolving ever so slowly, but in some stages quite quickly, actually, but there you go. Anyway, Nigel, I think that might be a wrap for, the, for this fortnight. Good. Good. Excellent. Well, look, thank you. <laughs> and thank you to all those that installed um, 33 minutes divided by 45 seconds equals uh, <laughs> uh, 45 new solar panels installed while we were watching. So that's nice. Less, less tea coffee power stations gone down the drain. Um, <laughs> thanks, of course, to our sponsors, Sunweer Solar Analytics and Energy. And thanks for your ongoing support. And uh, thanks for everyone listening out there. Give us your feedback. Three more episodes to go for the rest of the year, Nigel. So I'm just going to keep up the pace and the quality and the excitement and a bit of a lie down and rest over January. So I look forward to that. Good on you, mate. Okay, catch you later. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. 
With pro setup, training and assistance, run your business at maximum velocity. Visit sumwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Visit solaranalytics.com.au.